This is Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. From the heart of New York City and the tri-state area to the most active real estate hotspots across America. Keeping you plugged in to the latest real estate market trends. From mortgage news and legal developments to everything you need to know about buying or selling a property. Benefited by the advice of the experts. Now, here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. Good morning. Good morning, everyone, on this exceptionally beautiful Saturday in New York. We've had such great weather, and it's another beautiful day today. And so welcome to Iron Real Estate. And as you most likely know, we are the only talk radio show that talks about everything that has to do with real estate, which really is just about everything. And we've got a special show for you today. We have coming on a... 11 o'clock, uh, Lois White, who always talks to us, and she is always talking to us about commercial real estate, and she'll be here talking about Lois White, um, talking about real estate again, and commercial, and what's going on with commercial real estate, and then we'll have a special guest at 11.30, which we're thrilled to have him on, which is the former New York Governor George Pataki. And he's going to be talking to us a little about 9-11 because this is the 21st. Tomorrow will be the 21st year since 9-11. And um, I'm sure you all, I mean, I'm sure everybody kind of remembers where they were and what happened, you know, where they were and exactly what happened that day. And um, Governor Pataki got us all through that. So we're going to talk to him about 9-11 and, again, we'll honor all the people that lost their lives um, during 9-11. That was a a particularly dark time in our history, but I will say this, uh, that it was probably the only time in my life that I saw the, the whole country really unite and as horrible as that disaster was, the world and, you know, you were American and you were just, we were all together. We were all one. Everybody was one, you know, everybody, the groups came out and sang. People kind of just looked at each other. And I remember driving in my car and seeing flags, American flags hanging out the windows. And then you put the radio on and you hear them singing God Bless America and some, you know, songs that you sang about the country when you were in school. And, you know, there were things that you just recited in school or sang when you were a kid. I don't think you're allowed to sing them anymore, but at least when I was a kid, you could. And for the first time, they had such meaning. I remember driving in my car and hearing them sing God Bless America, and, like, I would be crying. Um, So it was really a very devastating time. A, a dark time, but, but it was a great time as far as our country was very united. And I hope eventually that we get it together and become united and not so polarized like we are today. Um, I think it's traditionally very polarized. So we have all of that, and it's great. And, of course, um, 
you know that Ion Real Estate is sponsored by Citizens Bank. It's a place to go for mortgages or just to get mortgage information. You should check out their website at citizensbank.com or call them at 800-922-9999. And I must tell you that Citizens Bank has the name Citizens because that's why the bank was founded. It was to help citizens and regular people like you and me not just big corporations. And as I always tell you, I have my mortgages out with Citizens. Um, last year, Citizens was the third largest lender in the Northeast. And you can easily find out more information at citizensbank.com. Or if you'd rather speak to them, then you can call them 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And now it's my pleasure to introduce our new co-host for the first hour of the show, the Vice President of the Metro New York Regional Sales Manager at Citizens Bank, my friend and colleague, Tom Drew. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Uh, good morning, Dottie. Good morning, everyone. I am doing great. Uh, and as you mentioned this morning, it is a beautiful day, a uh, great day to be you know, listening to, uh, to all the exciting news about real estate and then uh, going out there and, and checking out the different properties and and get yourself excited about home ownership. So I'm very excited to be here today. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. You know, while I have you on, uh, on while well, we're talking, you know, I've been reading, I'm always reading a lot of stuff, of course, about real estate and anything that has to do with it. And I was reading something about that they're, um, that they're looking, the federal officials are suggesting that they're going to to keep inflation down because they think it's come down a little bit because I think uh, gas prices have come down. Although I read that they're under $4 and I don't know where I get gas or not. They're over $5 still, but uh, are they, you know, but I'm reading that they're looking for another interest rate hike of either a half a percentage point to, to maybe three quarters of a percentage point. Is that, uh, that's what I'm reading. Is that what you think is going to happen? Yes, yeah, Dottie. You know, I'm definitely hearing and reading the same thing uh, that the Fed really, uh, because the only thing that they can try to do at this point is, uh, you know, slow down demand. Because certainly they can't fix the problem of, you know, the supply side of things. So they're kind of going to be focused on reducing demand by raising those short-term interest rates, uh, 75 basis points or three quarters of a percent, uh, in hopes of slowing things down. But Honestly, if you, if you take a look at the data, you see that um, inflation has started its downward slope from the peak a couple months ago. Uh, I guess prices have had something to do with that, but uh, just in general, uh, costs of things are coming down, which is a, which is a positive. Uh, it's just still at a very, uh, still a very high elevated number, and the Fed, you know, their mandate is to try to get inflation down to two percent, so they're going to keep. Uh, raising rates uh, with the hope that it drops quickly. And I do think in the next three to six months, you'll see inflation um, a lot lower than where it is today. Well, that's good news. I think that will be very good news. I, I, if I get around to it, I'm going to try Like I, Fortune magazine has a, a whole article that they wrote on the housing market downturn and they say that there's a downturn that they think will be bad in 2023 i'm not sure if i agree with that but i'll i'll go i'm just curious i'll go through that with you and see what your thoughts are on it um but before i do that i i do think i just want to say a few words because we 
um, did lose an iconic leader Thursday, Queen Elizabeth II, and she was an amazing example, at least to me, of executing leadership skills day in and day out for the last 70 years. And, you know, in her honor, I just wanted to run by with everyone that her six leadership lessons, and these are from the Queen, um, was serve to lead, live your purpose, be resilient through uncertainty, and that's tough, but that's what every leader has to do. They have to lead the troops through. Many times they're uncertain, and they have to lead them through uncertain times. Collaborate with the people that you're working with. Have your own authentic brand and value mental well-being, which is absolutely so important. So I think that she was a epitome of class and culture, and um, even though she led Great Britain, she will be missed. There are people are mourning, and King Charles III spent his first day as a monarch on Friday, and he reached out to the British public, um, meeting all the mourners in front of Buckingham Palace. He met them while they were all out there mourning, and um, he paid tribute to his mother in the most beautiful way, and he pledged to serve his country for the rest of his life. Um, so I think that was pretty touching, and I think that was, you know, a big I mean, Queen Elizabeth was, I mean, just was an iconic leader. So we're all going to miss her. And I'm sure her son will carry on the legacy. Although I think it's not as big as it was. I think as younger people come on, it's kind of that whole queen and prince. I think it's wonderful, but I think it's kind of the younger people are kind of fading it out a little bit. But in any event, I think that's a big thing, and I think tomorrow's like 9-11. I mean, I, you know, I was just looking at some of the things that, you know, there were um, 2,753 um, killed in just New York. So um, I just want to, we want to, at the radio show, all of us here, just give our salute to all of those who were part of who lost their lives, to their families, their friends, and just to New York and all the people that helped us get through it because the world was with New York City and they helped us get through it because it was a tough time. And with that, let's talk about some real estate stuff. So, by the way, Tom, like while I have you, I want, I had a question, a couple of questions came in about mortgages that I wanted to ask you. People had um, emailed me, and they said, okay, can I – well, first of all, they asked about a reverse mortgage, and so maybe you could tell everybody what a reverse mortgage is, and then they want to know if they can get a reverse mortgage on a co-op. But I first wanted to kind of explain to everybody what a reverse mortgage is, if you could. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, re- reverse mortgages are one of the products that are available out in the marketplace to – help people tap into the equity in the property that they own. There are some requirements, though, um, age being one of them. You have to be at a minimum 62 years old. 
um, to obtain a reverse mortgage. And um, typically, they're really only available for people who have, you know, a small loan on their property or own it free and clear, right? Because the reverse mortgage looks at your age, how much equity you have, and uh, it calculates a payment to you every month uh, based on how much equity you have in the home. So uh, it's it's not a product for everyone, but in many cases, you know, if somebody really wants to stay in their in their home and you know they're committed to that. Um, they don't want to sell and move. So it, you know, I, I do see a lot of uh, useful applications for it. It actually can be used to purchase a home as well. Um, that's something wow. that most people don't know. So it, uh, base, it, it uses the same factors, right? Your age and, and how much of a down payment you have. So they'll calculate, you know, you need to put down, you know, for instance, 50% on a home as your primary residence, and then you can have a reverse mortgage on it, meaning it won't, you won't have a payment every month. The, uh, the amount that you owe will build over time with interest, but you won't actually physically receive a bill every month. So that's a, that's a lesser known option for reverse, but uh, most people take reverse on a property that they own already and that they want to stay in and right. they want to be able to receive a monthly payment. Tom, I just remember vaguely that that with reverse mortgages, it's not advisable. And I'm just trying to remember, but I feel correct me if I'm not if I'm wrong. But I think that I was reading that reverse mortgages are not recommended unless you plan on not moving again. Yeah, I could. In other words, if you. Like if you think, oh gee, I want to like I want to stay in my house. I'm retired, and I love where I live, and I'm not making the income I was when I'm working. I'm on Social Security, but I'd like to stay in my home. And so then maybe you take a reverse mortgage. But that I was reading that that's assuming that you are going to stay in that home and not move again. That it becomes costly if you take a reverse mortgage and then move. Uh, yeah, I, I I could see in some instances where that would be the case. I mean, there are some costs associated with the reverse mortgage, um, and you know, uh, they for the most part reverse mortgages. Um, you know, let's say when eventually you do pass, um, let's say you might even owe more than what the property is worth. They, you know, there there is no um, there's nothing that your heirs need to pay after the fact. So it kind of like you know, even let's say your reverse mortgage turns out to be six hundred thousand dollars in the end, but can only sell the property for five fifty. Well, in many cases, your you know the estate is is free and clear, right? They don't have to the heirs don't have to pay back the additional money. But they don't. You know, so in other words, if you uh, inherit a home from your parents and they had a re- they'd taken a reverse mortgage out and they hadn't repaid it back all, you're not burdened with like you just get the home for. You wouldn't have well, to you don't get the home. You just, I mean, because the, the debt has to get ultimately satisfied. But if it, if they owe more than what the house sold for, you're not on the hook for the difference, right, between what oh, was I get owed it. and what the house sold for, right? Um, so, but again, that the, the balances can add up, you know, over time, right? And the number can get pretty big. But so when you go to try to sell, you may not have as much equity, left in the house as you were hoping to. So that's why they, they don't recommend you you take one and then sell, right, and try to get another because, you know, you're, you're carrying some costs 
along the way, right, when you're in the house that could get, um, you know, eaten up, eating up the equity, right? It's really only, I mean, you know, I think that one of the things that we like to do on the show is educate people and give them, there's so many different financing options and that it's hard to keep up with them all. So what I'd like to do is also talk to people about, okay, yes, like, the average amount that you would put down is a 20% down payment on on a property or 25, 20, 25. But if you don't have that, like if you're a first-time buyer and say, you haven't, you know, it's hard to save up that kind of money. And let's assume your parents don't help you out or you don't have, uh, you haven't saved uh, some down payment. You know, I'd like to just talk about some of the mortgages that you could get today if you're a first-time buyer or you're someone that has, you know, a decent income, but you haven't been able to save. It's really hard to save that kind of money today. So are there are mortgages that you can put less down and you don't have to put 20% down? Absolutely. There are, there are many options out there. Um, so give, you know, maybe give everybody, like, some of the most popular mortgage types that you could get without putting, if you, if you don't have 20%, if you have less than 20%. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the first one that comes to mind is the one that's available for vet- veterans of the armed forces. Um, that's a VA loan. That uh, that product actually requires uh, zero down payment from the veteran, and there's no monthly mortgage insurance on that product for a veteran. So that is something that I, I talk about all the time with, um, you know, just – People in the industry and obviously veterans themselves say, hey, you know, you have this benefit that you can literally go buy a home with zero money down. I mean, the seller may require some kind of deposit, which you can get refunded at closing, uh, but it's an amazing product. Uh, Rates on it are are great. Um, So the veterans have a tremendous option, you know, and it's, it's certainly one small way to thank them for their service. Uh, but you know, not everybody's a veteran, and I understand that. But there are plenty of other options out what there about, uh, as well. Okay. They, you know, I, I know at least in the city they don't talk about it that much. I'm not sure. Well, because there's some there's some criteria that you have to fill. But FHA, which is um, a mortgage that's insured by the government, um, now sure the FHA is you, a great product you, as well. Can you give us some information on that? On FHA, which is anyone's, you you can be anybody and get an FHA mortgage. It's not that you have to be a veteran or anything, but just Correct. tell us how that all works. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's a, it's another great product, and uh, it, it, you can get an FHA loan with as little as three and a half percent down on a property. Uh, there is a, a a mortgage insurance premium that is paid on a monthly basis, um, which is part of the insurance that. You know, the government extends out there to lenders, um, and it, you know, protects everybody in the transaction. Think, but as little, I'm sorry. We have a commercial, so I think it is just poison. We would like to finish that because, you know, you only have to have 3.5% down. That's right. not a lot of down payment. So let's have this uh, commercial break, and we'll be right down, and we'll talk a little about the FAQ mortgages. Right. The following is a paid political announcement. 
Sunday mornings just got a lot more interesting. Be sure to tune into Frankly Speaking with Frank Palata, Republican House candidate for U.S. Congress representing New Jersey's 5th District. Frank will be discussing the issues of the day that affect everyone, the economy, crime, veterans affairs, seniors, border security, and much, much more. Don't miss it. Frankly Speaking, Sunday mornings at 10 on AM 970, The Answer. This is Frank Palata, and I approve this message. Parsons Transportation Group, Inc. seeks IT specialist in New York, New York, to design network solutions incorporating standards and industry best practice to enhance and expand the functionality of the data network incorporating fault tolerance, resiliency, and scalability for backhaul radio system. 20% domestic travel required to unanticipated work sites. Mail resumes to Parsons Transportation Group, Inc., attention GM, care of People Central, 100 West Walnut Street, Pasadena, California, 91124. Must reference job number 11863.425 slash R132194. It's no secret, America. We've been let down. Inflation is taking its toll in the grocery stores, the products we buy, and the pain of every visit to the gas pump. At Upside, we're fighting back with our free app that pays you back serious money on every tank of gas or diesel, up to 25 cents per gallon, just for using the Upside app, no strings attached. Upside users have already been paid back a total of more than $250 million. With inflation and the soaring price of gas, it's easy to feel like you're losing control. But with Upside's free app, you can start putting money back in your wallet with every gallon. Whenever you want, cash out with PayPal, an e-gift card, or transfer the money directly into your bank account. Download the free Upside app and get cash back on every gallon of gas. Use promo code SALEM for an additional 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first fill-up. That's promo code S-A-L-E-M. Remember, use promo code SALEM when you download the free Upside app and get an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first tank of gas. Cash back is not available in gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Keep your body moving with powerful nutrients to support your joints and overall mobility. Invite Health is here to save the day and your body with the best-selling Cartilage HX. Cartilage HX helps to maintain the health of your cartilage and promotes flexibility and mobility. This powerful formulation provides a patented form of type 2 collagen called UC2 that has been shown in clinical studies to promote joint comfort and strong, healthy bones. Just listen to what some Invite Health customers in the tri-state area are saying about Cartilage HX. I had a problem with my left knee and had to take baby steps going up the stairs. I'm almost normal now. Miracle! When I climb the stairs, my knees no longer hurt. Stay active with the help of Cartilage HX. Buy one bottle, get the other free, plus free shipping today. Call 800-673-2345 now to order. Again, that's 800-673-2345. 800-673-2345. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. Hi, it's Joe Piscopo. You know I love performing at the Saccone Theater at Bergen Community College in Paramus. So I'm bringing my band and heading back there on Friday, October 21st for an unbelievable show. A lot of comedy, some stories, a great tribute to Mr. Sinatra. This is a night you can't miss. It begins at 6 p.m. in a luxury tent right in front of the theater with a full dinner complete with signature dishes from Frank Sinatra's favorite restaurant, Patsy's. 
and owner and chef Sal Scagnamillo. You know what's really great? We'll be raising money for scholarships at Bergen Community College, a great school. You get valet parking, dinner, wine, the show, everything for one unbelievable price, 125 bucks. The Saccone Theater's an intimate venue that will sell out fast, so get your tickets now at tickets.bergen.edu. That's tickets.bergen.edu. tickets.bergen.edu or call 201-447-7428. I'll see you there. Continuing with Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. Here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. We're back, and we're listening to Eye on Real Estate. We're talking to Thomas Drew, um, who runs a huge division of mortgages for Citizens Bank. So we're talking about if you want to buy a home, and I actually think that it is a great time to buy a home today. You know, they're talking about interest rates rising, and they have risen a little, but they're still, as Tom said, relatively low because, again, um, the average loan was um, seven-something. I seven-something. I can't remember exactly, but it was over 7%, like if you look at history. So we're still below the historical average. Um, What are they? They're a little over six now, Tom? Yeah, they're just uh, just under six. I think five eight seven five is, to be precise. Yeah, yeah which and is which and, is still and the market's great. cooled down a bit, so you can probably get your offer in and maybe have a little negotiating power. Where, you know, in the heat of the pandemic, the market was you know there was fifteen offers, and you know if you didn't have all cash, you probably didn't stand a chance. And negotiating was not a word that was even used. There was no negotiating. So now um, um, you can do some negotiating. I think that prices actually, now we're giving you a national number, so it depends on where you're living. Um, but I can tell you that the median list price for a home, um, now you're going to, it's nationally is 435 and nationally prices have dropped for the first time in six years in August by about 15000 again. That's not everywhere, some a little more, some not at all. Um, and we're looking, and I think I've talked on last shows, that we're looking at some probably an appreciation. Some people are forecasting no appreciation. Some people are saying price cuts. Well, people are cutting their price, but everything is well. So pretty much um, we think in the New York area, things are going to appreciate at like five, you know, single-digit numbers. But if you... Again, it's, so it's a great time. There's more inventory, a little more inventory. It's still a tight market, but there is more inventory. People are putting their homes on the market. And we're talking about if you don't have a large down payment, that you can also get FHA, which is, Tom is telling you, is guaranteed by the government. But is there price limits on that? Can't the house only be a certain price, Tom? Yeah, it's there are price limits, but here in the – Metro New York area, it's because it's considered a high cost area. It's actually a very high number. Um, what what you know, is the you number? Can buy a house, you can buy a house for almost $900,000 and put down, uh, you know, 3.5%. So, I don't think a lot of people yeah. know that. I don't think a lot of people know they could go FHA and get a home that, that price. 
and a lot of people never even heard of it. I find. Yeah, I find that like you know, you know, you know, outside of New York City, people have you know more people have heard of it, but sometimes in New York City they don't know it because sometimes homeowners are reluctant to take FHA. Um, and okay, and would you you know I'm speculating on why maybe homeowners, but isn't it true that with FHA that the home has to be in good repair? That we keep, like if there's things that are really wrong, you have to fix them or? Correct. Kind of yeah, so there's there's a little more of a health and safety review on those properties by appraisers. But, you know, for the most part, if the house is in good shape, it's really not a concern. It's maybe on a home where, you know, the roof might not have, you know, three to five years left in it. Um, or there's, um, you know, stairs without banisters, you know, things like that that, the FHA appraiser will take a look at, but for the for the most part, majority of homes meet that requirement, right? It's not a reason okay. not to accept so, a uh, an FHA borrower. So, in your experience, why do you think uh, you know a lot of people seem to not know about that in the city? Do you or do you think that homeowners will? I mean, will they take FHA? Will you, I mean, you have well, to get the when you apply for a mortgage. Oh, and you're and you're making a deal with the seller, so you're going to make a deal, you know, because when you uh, buy a home, you the, the steps in buying a home is a one, you make an offer. So you start out by if you feel that the home is right and you love it, then it's the right home for you. Then you write and you are better off writing up formally, even if the broker doesn't tell you to do that, because a lot of the brokers don't. But I think you should make a formal offer with a down payment. A check that shows good faith, and they only can take that check if they accept the number that you put down. So if you're putting a number that, you know, you feel if they take this number that I'm buying this house, then I would give a check made out to the seller um, because that really shows you serious to me. At least I would think that's a serious buyer if I were the seller. And then you have to tell the seller, um, what you're looking to buy with, all cash. Now, if you are in a hot, hot market and there's a lot of offers on a house, I'm not sure if the seller would be picking FHA as their first bet. So, you know, if you're competing with an all-cash offer, if you're a seller, you well, obviously you should take the all-cash offer. But if, you know, as the market slows up and in certain areas where homes are maybe less expensive or people don't have as much um, and you have been – can you get pre-approved for an FHA? Or, you absolutely can. Yeah, it's the same process uh, as any other loan to to get pre-approved. And and the one thing that I would say about New York City, I mean, there there are quite a large number of co-ops in the city, and co-ops are the one property type that FHA does not finance. So they can you can finance a condo with an FHA loan, or a one to four family with an FHA loan, but co-ops are not an eligible property type for FHA. So. Um, you know, maybe that's... So you can't use FHA if you own a co-op. Oh, you want to buy a co-op. And remember, everyone, the difference between a condo and a co-op is that in a condominium, you're buying real estate. You're buying actual real estate. Um, and you own that real estate. In a co-op, you are really not buying... The, you're buying shares in a basic corporation. And so, you know, you, you, you don't directly... It's not a free and clear thing. So it's buying like stock in a, in a corporation. So that's why the FHA doesn't do it. So if you have a co-op, you can't use it. But anything else, you can. And you yeah. also 
again, whether it's an FHA loan or a regular loan, you can always want to be pre-approved so that you can tell the seller because that gives you a bonus in the seller accepting you offer that I've been pre-approved and I'm qualified and they, the bank has agreed that they will lend me this amount of money provided your house appraises. And um, we always tell you to do that process first. Now, Tom, talking about low down payments, if I don't want to go FHA because I'm buying a condo or just don't want to go FHA, I just want to take a regular mortgage, but I don't have 20%, and I want to put down 10%, and you can offer the seller 10%. The problem with that is if the seller has a choice of taking offices that have more down payment, then that's safer for them. But you can certainly get a mortgage, but then you have to, if you put less than 20% down, um, don't you have to take PMI insurance out? Yeah, so um, most loans that have less than 20% have a what they call private mortgage insurance, uh, and that will, the, the amount you pay for private mortgage insurance will depend on a few factors, such as your credit score um, and the amount that you're looking to borrow, right? The, uh, the total dollar amount of the loan you're looking to borrow. But it, and I tell people, you know, even if you get a moderate appreciation of the property, just, you know, three to 5%, the PMI can go away over time with, um, an appraisal, right? So you can contact the lender and say, hey, I think my property's gone up in value since I purchased it. Uh, can you send an appraisal to the house and, and reevaluate? And um, many times the value is there, so the PMI would come off, right? So it's not forever. It's until you hit that uh, 20% equity in the property, which in the past few years, we've seen that happen almost overnight, right? In a year's but- time. <laughs> Really? Right. So, in other words, just so that we clear to all our listeners, the PMI insurance, you're paying uh, uh, an extra 5% a month because you have not put down 20%. But as soon as you reach, let's say you put down 10%, as soon as you reach an equivalent of what 20% down would have been, like, so you, you know, paid enough mortgage payments. That then the PMI insurance goes away. And as Tom says, if the home appreciates quickly like it has in the last couple of years, then if you went PMI, like if you bought a house in 19, like in 2020, I'm sure that if you took out PMI insurance, I'm sure in many cases uh, within that, the two years of the pandemic, it, it, it's either almost where you don't have it anymore because of the appreciation being so great. Um, and I don't think we're going to have double-digit appreciation, but we're, we're still going to have appreciation. So you, when you're buying a home, you're going to make that offer, and you want to make your offer strong. And remember, if the price is good, then put the price first. If the terms are better than your price reference, put the terms first. We have a break. And then I'm just going to go through the steps of buying a home. We'll be right back after a quick commercial break. Daddy Herman and we'll be back with Iowa.
MyPillow is having their biggest bed sheet sale ever. The MyPillow per kale sheets are available in a variety of colors and all sizes. Now on sale, for example, the queen size, regular price $89.98, now only $39.98 with your promo code. Order now as there is a very limited supply. The MyPillow per kale sheets are breathable and have a cool, crisp feel. They have deep pockets to fit over any mattress. The MyPillow per kale sheets come with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, use promo code AM970 to receive the MyPillow per kale sheets for as low as $29.98. Order now, because when they're gone, they're gone. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-651-0798. Use the promo code AM970. That's 800-651-0798. 800-651-0798. Use the promo code AM970. The guests are the greatest on the Arthur Idala Power Hour. Professor Alan Dershowitz is on the line. Let me tell you, I want you to be the next mayor of New York. I want you to be in public life. You owe the people of this city your talent, and you've given it to them in many directions, but I think holding public office would be a great contribution to the city. The Arthur Idala Power Hour, every weekday evening at 6 on AM 970, The Answer. The roar of our engines, the pump of our heartbeats, the pedal to our metal, the sparks that ignite us, the pistons that push us, the passions that drive us. From the feelings that move us to the places that pull us on the roads that unite us. With nearly 6,000 stores and over 17,000 auto care centers, Napa has America's largest network of parts and care, here to keep you fired on all cylinders. When you take the time to really get to know your body, you find that the root causes of its aches and pains are usually simple. The older we get, the more exercise we undertake and the more injuries we sustain, the more inflammation our bodies suffer from. It's so simple. And my answer to that pain is Relief Factor, which I discovered years ago and take every single day to great effect. It helps the body to fight off inflammation, and I've never found anything that worked better in my life. I can't recommend it enough. 70% of the more than half a million people who have tried Relief Factor end up ordering more. That's because it works for them the way it works for me. Isn't it time for you to get out of pain? Your first step to becoming pain-free should be to order the three-week quick start for the discounted price of only $19.95. Go to relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF to find out more about this offer. Feel the difference. relieffactor.com. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. My doctor told me my blood pressure is borderline. I figured I could worry about it or do something about it. So I took control with Garlic Healthy Blood Pressure Formula. It works safely and naturally to help maintain healthy blood pressure with a custom blend of garlic, vitamins, and minerals. And it's odor-free. I'm taking charge with Garlic Healthy Blood Pressure Formula. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The term natural reference is only the garlic in the product. Use as directed. Continuing with Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. Here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. Back on, we're talking about the steps of buying a home, and I'm going to go back to some basics uh, because sometimes... We always need to go back to things that don't change or 
pretty consistent no matter what the market be like. And I'm t- telling you that those of you who haven't bought a home yet and you're in markets to buy, it's a great time to buy now. Prices are coming down. Um, as I said last week, it's not a fire sale, so don't think you're going to steal anything. But prices have kind of flattened a bit. You have a little more negotiating room, and it looks like inventory, although we don't have an oversupply. Um, inventory is still tight, but it's loosening up a little, so there's more of a supply. And I would say it's not a buyer's market. It's not a seller's market. I'm just kind of saying it's kind of in the middle. I wouldn't see either or. But So you're going to make an offer, as we talked about, and you want to put your best foot forward when you make that offer. So remember, if your terms are better than the price you're offering, have your broker talk about your terms first. If your price is better than your terms, then talk about your price. And then after that, in most states, the sellers, okay, and again, every state's a little bit different, so you, you, depending on the state, but in most states, sellers are legally required to provide buyers with disclosures, um, documents, uh, uh, you know, sometimes title reports. Uh, so well, that in California, for example, you don't have this in New York, but in California you have earthquake or hazard reports. On, those are expected, but mostly disclosures. And if you, as a seller, if you have something materially wrong with your property, um, you usually have to disclose that. Um, so that sellers must disclose any known issues that might affect the property's value or, you know, ability to habitat, you know, to, 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 to live there. Usually in a transfer disclosure statement, sellers must answer a series of yes or no questions, and the broker will give it to you, and it's a disclosure statement. And, you know, it maybe will have, like, you have leaky windows or there are violations. Um, so you have to fill that out as a buyer. And if there's anything, you know, like anything seriously wrong, you can't take a picture and try to hide it. Like if there's a hole in the wall, you have to disclose that. Um, the buyer should know what problems are awaiting him before or she. Then the bank is coming now. If you have an all cash offer, this doesn't apply because the bank doesn't have to appraise it because somebody's paying all cash. But again, if you're buying a home and you're, uh, the buyer is taking a mortgage, the bank is going to go in and send the bank their appraiser to check out the property and to make sure that the property basically is worth what the, what the bank is going to be on the line for. So, um, and appraisal is really the financial institution's way of making sure that the contract price is the right price. So the lender ends up, see the lender, which will be the bank, will send out a third-party appraiser, which the buyer pays for to confirm that the contract price is in line with the neighborhood's comparison. And that standard, it always happens. And then after that, if you have, if this seller has allowed you, and in most cases you should allow somebody to have an inspection, you want them to get it done timely and probably before you go to contract, I would not advise contingencies on that. Let them get the inspection before you actually go to contract. And um, they would, then the buyer would pay for their inspector and they would have the property kind of inspected and they would see exactly what's wrong with it. And then if there's something outstanding that they didn't know about, let's say you need a brand new roof or the oil burner shot, you know, then they might say, listen, you know, we didn't know that you needed a whole brand new roof. They might try to negotiate that. Um, but the, the whole idea of having that is not to nitpick. 
and get the price down. It's just to really look and see if there's anything that's really substantial that's going to cause the buyer to have to sell a lot of money that they didn't know about. After that process, the bank will give you or the buyer a loan commitment saying that they're agreeing and that, that they agree um, to lend the money. And then right before you close on the property, and again, this is very important, the buyer should go in and do a final walkthrough and to make sure that the property has and is the way it's said to have been left. So in other words, you're going to look, you're going to turn on the water, make sure the water works, that there's no leaks, and um, that it's in condition, and then you go to close. And uh, regardless of how the closing happens, sometimes they're in person, sometimes they're not, um, you know, um, if you're a buyer and getting a loan, plan on signing a dozen thousand documents. Okay, you're going to sign a lot of things. Make sure you have a photo ID as your signature will be notarized and you have all that in place. Okay, so that's basically the steps of buying a property. Um, and that's really what actually transpires. And I would say that the average property takes about 60 to 90 days to close. I think that's a fair estimate. Um, Tom, do you have anything to add to that? Sure. Um, yeah, I say in New York, it's 60 to 90 days for a start to finish uh, from contract to closing. Uh, but I'd also like to add, you know, uh, before going into contract, right, that pre-approval is extremely important, only because you don't want to assume anything, right? You don't want to assume that everything's going to be okay. And the last thing you want to do is go into contract and and not be able to close, right? Not be able to meet your mortgage contingency that's in the contract. So it's highly recommended you speak to, say, somebody at Citizens or, you know, uh, just a loan officer in general to kind of go through your your finances, look at your credit um, and also your income. Because a lot of people, the way they earn income um, might, you know, might be fine for them. It works for them. But lenders have certain guidelines, right, that they need to uh, abide by. So, you know, we'd want to take a look at your two-year history for income make sure that that meets all the the bank's uh, underwriting guidelines, right, to, to get the commitment. And then, of course, um, you know, the appraisal part of it um, is, is, is important, too. We want to make sure that the value is there. Sometimes, you know, we see appraisals come in for over, you know, what the purchase price is. Sometimes you see mm-hmm. them come in for under, right? So that will also uh, could have an impact on, you know, closing as well. So, each part of that process, um, you know, hopefully goes as smoothly as possible, but there's always, you know, things that could pop up. And the more you know going into it, the better you'll be in the long run. So I would recommend give yourself a long runway uh, to get that pre-approval, clear clear the decks, you know, long in advance, make sure there's no issues. So you can, you can go into it excited about, you know, closing in 60 to 90 days not worrying right. whether or not you're actually going to get approved. I just want to make sure also that people have to factor in closing costs. Now, if you bought a home already, you probably know about closing costs because you always have them. But if you're a first-time buyer, you might not know that closing costs of, you know, you have a, a lot of costs on top of the, the loan amount. And generally, I would just say as an average, just to calculate Closing costs usually are between two to five percent of the loan amount that you're taking, and um, 
you know, you've got a nationally, I think nationally the average amount, and in New York I'm sure it's higher, was about $6,000, mm-hmm. and I say in New York it's higher than that in the tri-state. And then you're, you're paying for closing costs, you're paying title policies, appraisals, settlement and recording fees, land surveys, transfer taxes, and that can vary geographically. Um, so the closing costs, you know, that's not even including home inspections or taxes that you have to, you know, you might, the seller might have prepaid some of the taxes. So right. you might have to, you know, then reimburse the seller for some of the prepaid taxes, and that's part of your closing costs, home insurance, moving costs, and so it can add up to thousands of dollars. So it's just something that you should be aware of if you're a first-time buyer, never bought a home, that you need to factor in closing costs in addition to the loan amount that you borrow. So you have your down payment, what you're going to need there, and then, again, you figure, and I would figure more on the higher side than the lower side, 2 to 5% of the loan value is probably just a fair estimate of closing costs, and I would say closer to 5 to be on the safe side. And, um, yeah, that's great advice. That, that's, that's, right? That's I mean, what I tell everybody who comes to us, you know, assume 5%, and if it's less, um, hey, that's yeah. that's great. Well, if it's less, that's great. <laughs> but prepare for the worst. <laughs> so let's prepare yeah. for the 5%. But let me say this to you. There's nothing, I mean, I, I don't say this because I'm in real estate. Obviously, I, I, whether I was in real estate or not, I would tell you that for most people, it's the largest investment, but it's your home. It's where your safe haven is. And to me, unless you're not going to be someplace for a long time, especially with rents, the rates that they are, it's not like, oh, gee, let me get a rental and I can save a lot of money because the rents are very cheap. That's not the case, at least around here it's not. I'm sure there's some place that's it. So you're really not saving so much money in the tri-state on rents. And at least you own something. And mm-hmm. then you're paying, you know, that's a lot of interest. And maybe on another show we'll tell you, maybe next week, I don't know that we'll have time to do today, you can do something like I did. I took a 30-year mortgage because I didn't know if I was really going to have extra money to do the 15 uh, but you can pay extra. So in other words, if you have what I did when I took out my mortgage and I was you know, much younger, so I didn't have a whole lot of anything, I, whenever I had a little spare money, I would just send it extra to the bank. Um, yeah, and Dottie, in today's pay, rates, one extra payment a year. Can you Yeah, sure. Today's interest rates are, you know, say around 6%, one extra payment a year towards principal. can knock about five and a half years off of your, off of your mortgage, right? So if you can, so you can you do that, that? one payment or, or extra payments every month. So you're saying, and this is really important for everyone to hear, one extra payment yeah. on your mortgage a year could get you, what did you say, for almost about five and a half years. At today's interest rates, uh, about 6%, you don't knock about five and a half years off of the 30-year mortgage. Now that's a lot. It is. So it what is. I'm saying is, you don't. If you didn't take a 15 year mortgage, you took a 30 year mortgage. Tom is saying just one extra payment per year is going to knock five years off your mortgage. Obviously, if you have a little extra cash, you can pay more than one year off. I mean, more than one month. But if Correct. you have at least one month extra, 
I think you should do it. Uh, you know, I mean, if you have that little extra cash, I mean, that's five. And, and you know, you don't have to make it in one payment. You can just, you know, divide that over 12 months, right, and make an extra really? payment every month, right? Yeah. It, uh, it more or less accomplishes the same thing. So, so you if, know, you, Tom, that, if you don't want to pay it all in one payment and you want to kind of, do you have to let the bank know that or, or do you have to tell them no. I'm, I'm paying? Well, well how do you, so, well, you go any about doing that? Payments, any additional payment above what you're required to make automatically goes to principal every month, right? If you're going to make a large payment, sometimes I tell people, hey, you know what, call the, the servicer and let them know I'm going to send in multiple monthly payments, say you came into some money, whatever, say you want to make three payments at once, you just want to make sure that they um, they put it in as a uh, principal reduction payment, right? So it goes, it's going straight to principal. So in other words, so do you have to note that? Like if you just send the money and you, and you don't note, put this extra money that I'm sending to go um, yeah. on, to pay down my principal, or do you just send it and it'll automatically do it? Or do you have to note that? It depends on the time of the month you send it. Um, so most services will apply it directly to principal, but it makes sense to just take that extra step and say, hey, you know what, I'm sending in an X amount of money and I'd like it to go straight to principal reduction. It, it, doesn't, it takes a few minutes to do that just to ensure that they're not – they're not categorizing it as you're prepaying the next few months, right, of the of the mortgage. So, yeah, uh, so I, then I would say you're right. And just be double for cautious. It doesn't hurt. Just put down a little note. This Correct. Extra you payment want to, you're or putting, extra money the money to pay down my principal. Correct. Yeah. And that that actually has, you know, as as the rates go went up from like say the the ultra lows we're at to these to the 6% range, the prepayment of the principal actually has a bigger impact, right? So at like 3%, when you sent an extra payment, it maybe reduced your term by two and a half or three years. But as the rates went up, that prepayment has a bigger impact in the term, right? Because you're, oh, you're that's paying really off an important point. At a, yeah, at a higher and rate, right? I would right? say, so, like, if, if somebody's buying a home today, now we talked in the beginning of the show about the said thing of raising the interest rates another time, um, and they're a little under six now. So if you, and again, when we give you advice, we are not gods, and we think that that's what they're going to do, that looks like what they're going to do. So based on that information, you probably might take um, getting a pre-approval and locking in at a rate now. Because if you lock in at a rate now and the interest rates go up, which they're anticipate, we're anticipating, then you won't have to pay that, right? So you lock in for 30 or 60 Correct. days. So yeah, if so you're doing it right now, we, I think you should lock yeah, in. We, it, it's a safe That's our advice. We'll be right back. And Tom, I'll, we'll be back probably next week. Have a great weekend. We'll be back with the second half of the show with Lois Rice and Governor Pataki, the former governor of New York. Eye on Real Estate with Dottie Herman is sponsored by Citizens Bank N.A.